name, Jesus. Glory to your name, Father. We're welcome in this place. We welcome you, Lord. We open our doors of our hearts, God. And we ask you to come in and move afresh. Fill us afresh this morning, God. Fill us afresh, Lord. Help us to put aside everything, every weight, every measure, Lord God, that this week has brought us. Lord, and only focus on you. Help us to release it to you, Father. We welcome you in this place. We welcome you, Lord. We welcome you, Father. You are welcome here. We yield to you, Father. We yield our will to yours. We yield our emotions to you, God. We yield our thoughts to yours, Lord, God. We prefer your ways. God, we agree with your word. We agree with your ways. We agree with what you say about us, God. We agree with what you say about our circumstances, Lord. We agree with your word. You are always right. You do all things well. You do all things well. You do all things well. Thank you for never leaving us. Thank you for being with us in each and every circumstance, each and every day. Thank you, God, that we are never alone. We are never alone. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. There is none like you, God. 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 There is none. There is none that is worthy of all the glory, honor, and praise but you. Only you, God. Only you. Only you. Thank you, Lord, for seeing the worst of us and the best of us at the same time. Thank you. Thank you for not you viewing us how we are, but as you see us to be, how you can make us, God. Thank you for looking at us through the lens of your blood. Thank you for washing us in your blood and presenting us to yourself. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We welcome you here. How can we not welcome you here? We welcome you here. <laughs> welcome you, Lord. Only you are worthy, Lord God. Only you are worthy. Well, good morning, church. As you can see, we're already starting to have church here today. What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. And for all of you who are joining online, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. You know, I love this time of the year. I love that song. It says it's the most wonderful time of the year. And not because of everything that they say in that song, but I just, when I hear that phrase, it's the most wonderful time of the year, something just echoes in my heart. And what I love most about this time of the year is the, is the reminder about Jesus and the gift that he is to us. And I love to give. I love giving gifts to people, seeing the joy on their hearts as they receive something. You know, when I was young, um, my family didn't have much, so... My mom would wrap everything to make sure that we had more uh, to open up, right? So even a lip balm or a bar of candy. It's serious. We used just so that we could have more things to open. And that gave my mom joy that she could give us something like that. You know, even our breathing is an act of giving. You know, when we inhale... 
We take in what God has created, the air that allows us to breathe, and we receive something from Him. And when we exhale, we actually are giving something back to creation. The air is used by plants to refresh the air again so that we could breathe in and breathe out. Every act of breathing reflects giving. And one other thing that we do in this time of worship is we give thanksgiving to God for all that He's doing in our lives. No matter how small, no matter how great, we could be thankful. Thanksgiving is an opportunity for us to declare with our mouth the good things that He gives us in our lives. Just as the angels declared that there's good thing, that there was a great thing coming to earth for all men. It was a gift for all men. And that gift was Jesus. So he built inside of us the inherent act of giving as the very essence of who we are. Because that's what he did with his son. He gave us the one, the only, the true son of God to exchange our lives for His so that we can live with Him for all eternity when we choose to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I thank Shayla for the prayers that opened up this service. That it is by His blood, by that sacrifice, that precious gift that He gave to us, that we have this opportunity to stand here today and give back our breath, give back our thanks, give back our offering of praise. And before I came here today, the Lord reminded me of Psalm 150. So I'm going to read it to you because it ties in with what we're about ready to do, which is give thanks, to give our breath, to give everything that we have to God. And it says this, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise God in his mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him for His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the lute and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with stringed instruments and with flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. And praise Him with clashing cymbals. No matter how our voices may sound today, whether it may sound as sweet, as a lute or as loud as a clashing cymbal. Let's just praise God. And it ends this, it says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So let's praise the Lord this morning. Thank you, Lord God, you are good in this house. You are worthy of praise. Glory to your name.
everything that's in me. Bless his holy name. Because when I call you, things change. It's okay to get loud. Everything that's in me. I don't hear nothing. Bless his holy name. Because when we call him, things change. Everything that's in me. Bless his holy name. Because when I call you,
high within our hearts, high within our minds. Lord God, everything, everything that's inside of us, Lord God, everything, every breath, every emotion, feeling, Lord God, every moment, every breath, Lord God, let it give you glory this morning. Jesus, you alone are our cornerstone. You alone are unmovable, unshakable, Lord God. You are the authority, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. You are the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are the all-powerful. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Do what only you can do in the midst of worship. Do what only you can do and change us and draw us to Let this praise, as Shayla prayed, Lord God, let it be glorifying to you. Jesus, you alone, you alone are worthy. You alone are King of Kings. You alone. Father, we know it's not about church. It's, it's not about a building. It's, it's not even just about a moment in time. It's about you. Everything is about you. All of creation looks back to you, looks forward to you, looks at you. You are the glory of it all. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us to overflowing today. May the hustle and bustle of this day, the hustle and bustle of this week, of this season, fall away. And may we today, with everything in us, bless your holy name. You and you are worthy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And we give him the glory. We give him the honor, the power, and the praise. Let your kingdom come and your will be done in Jesus' name. Come on, church. And everybody said amen and amen. Come on, can we give one more shout of praise this morning? Just praise him for who he is. Wonderful God. What a great God. Woo! Oh, man, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Welcome to Connect Church. Oh, shit. What? Oh, no, man. Mm. Bless his holy. Oh, in this season, right, of Christmas, it's so easy to get distracted by everything else that's going on. But Christmas should be the one time a year, one of those times a year where we just stand back and are in all of him. Come on. The king of glory, the one who was there before time and space began, chose to step out of eternity put on human flesh to walk among us not just to die for us and set us free but so that we could walk with him now and forever the greatest miracle you ever see in your life is not a dead man rising a blind man seeing it's not even the resurrection from the tomb the greatest miracle is that the eternal one stepped out into time and space. Close the gap that you and I couldn't close on our own. What a God we serve. So can I encourage you, maybe for the next 45 minutes or so, can that picture be in your mind? It wasn't Santa that got in a sleigh to deliver a present. It was the King of Kings who stepped off of his throne, was born in a manger to close the gap to give us the greatest present we could ever have in our life. Well, I'm so glad you're here today. I'm excited for what God has for you today. 
I'm excited that God, I love Shayla. Can I just, I want to give you a shout. I love that there's, it's not your voice. It's not Chris's voice. It's not my voice. That, that God gave you a voice. And there are specific things that only your voice can fill in God. That only your voice can bring to him. It's great to be a part of a body, but it's also important that we understand that we bring things to him as well. You are not here by mistake. You're by divine plan of our king. And I believe he has something for you today because you have something for him today as well. Well, look, if this is your first time at Connect, thank you for being here. Thank you for being our guest today. It's part of the online community. Thanks for being here with us on this, the this year. Do you believe this is the last service on Sunday this year? True. Look, as you're being seated, why don't you just turn to someone, give them an air high five, say, introduce yourself, give them a, a fist bump, whatever you feel comfortable with, but just take a moment. Before we get in the word, let me just, uh, hey, Chris, thanks, man. I love, Chris is awesome. Give Chris a shout. I love this guy. This is an amazing man. Such a servant of God. I'm just so, so thankful for, for you and Shayla. You know, there's uh, one of the things that we believe in so much here at Connect is making sure that we reach people and touch people and love people with the love of Jesus. And so uh, this Tuesday... Um, we have our Thy Kingdom Crumb food run. It's our last one of the year as well, but we're giving whole uh, Christmas family meals uh, to anyone who shows up. So uh, I know the information is on our, uh, the website and all that kind of stuff on social media. Um, so come on out, be a part of that. If you know somebody who needs food, if just even need to be blessed, need to feel loved, need to feel hugged. You don't have to be in socioeconomic need to come out for a TKC run. This is just about us experiencing the love of Jesus and loving our neighborhood. So uh, come on out for that. Steph, what time is it? I should know that. 12 o'clock? 2 p.m. I should know that. I'm going to be there. Uh, 2 p.m. Uh, for that as well. as I want to invite you to one more thing. I want to invite you to come to our Christmas Eve Eve service. Christmas Eve Eve, which is the 23rd. At 7 o'clock here, I want to encourage you to come early, uh, not just because we know it will be packed, but because, uh, the, you know, traffic's crazy this time of year, especially around Cherry Hill. Um, so come on out, be a part of that. It will be our Christmas service. So there will not be service on that Sunday, that weekend. We are celebrating Christmas on the 23rd, as we always do, and preparing our hearts for the birth of our king. And uh, the birth of our king. The birth of our king. And here's what I'm going to say. Whether or not Jesus was born on the 25th of December doesn't matter. What does matter is that we take a day to celebrate the fact that he was born. And the reason for who he, why he came. To love you and I so desperately. What a God we serve. Well look, I hope, are you guys ready for the word this morning? Why don't you uh, open up your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Luke is the third book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Um, 
And uh, if you need a title for today's message, it's Joy to the World, right? Because we are celebrating our fourth week of Advent, our final week of Advent. Today we just want to talk a little bit about joy. We've talked about peace. We've talked about hope. Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about joy. Um, but if you want the real title for today's message, it's Joy and Pain. Joy, pump it up, pump it up, and pain. There's sunshine and rain. Come on, come on, come on. Hey, come on, that's, those, that's old school for some of you. That's Rob Bates, DJ Easy Rock. Come on, so somebody got to go back and Google who that is. Some of my 80s people know. You know. Why is it joy and pain? Because that is the real battle, isn't it? How do we have joy when in this world we suffer real pain? And I'm not talking just simply about physical or emotional pain, although those things exist. Maybe the broader term today that we can talk as pain, the broader term is dissatisfaction. How do I have joy in the midst of battling so much dissatisfaction in my life? Because we know as men and women of faith, we know that we're called to have joy. We know that's part of what Jesus brought with him. We know that's a fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5.22 says the, the, the presence of the Spirit in our life brings love and joy. Come on, it's the second one. How many of you know on a list, if it's number two, it's pretty important? We know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We know that joy comes from the very nature of God himself. So why is it so difficult to find ourselves having joy? Because we live in this constant tension of joy and pain, satisfaction and dissatisfaction. We see it in the pandemic. In the pandemic, it's been interesting because we have, as a people, or at least many people, have gotten things in their life that they haven't had or they've always wanted, like more time at home. Like more flexible work hours, like working from home, being able to be with your kids or your family. And in that sense of satisfaction, we should be ecstatic. But alongside with that comes dissatisfaction. The dissatisfaction that we can't do all the things we want to do. Sometimes the dissatisfaction is that you have to spend more time with kids. We still have to wear masks. We can't be together all the time. And in the midst of our dissatisfaction, our dissatisfaction attacks the joy that we have with God. Because we carry dissatisfaction in our minds with us. We talked a few weeks ago about hope and how hope deferred makes the heart sick. And because we still have things that are disappointing in our life, dissatisfying in our marriage, in our jobs, in church, with God, it's hard to find joy in the midst of it. So even though Jesus is the joy to the world, isn't that what the angels said? Hey, joy to the world, Jesus is here. Joy is Jesus' legacy to the world. We still struggle to find it if we're honest with it. Come on, how many of us really are walking around here just full of joy? No, do you know why? Because we struggle with dissatisfaction. So today, in this text, we're going to see how that struggle is navigated. 
In this text, what we're going to see is that after Jesus is born in Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph, his parents, bring him after 40 days to the temple to be dedicated to God, to be presented to the Lord as holy. And, you, you know, you've you got to think about this for a moment. He, he's got to be like in his Sabbath best, right? Like all the people are there excited about it. If you're a Catholic, think about your baby baptism, the little outfit you wore. Everybody who came, they were excited. Why is it 40 days, by the way? It's 40 days because the law, the word of God says it should be 40 days. But it's 40 days because it was a celebration or a reminder that after 40 years of wandering, they walked into the promises of God. That Jesus, after 40 days of being tested and fasting in the wilderness, he walked out of that moment in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit to do ministry never seen before on this planet. I believe, I just want to stop for a moment, I believe that there, there may be someone in here, someone listening this morning, who has been going through something for 40 days. Maybe it's 40 weeks, maybe it's been 40 years, but today, if you, like Mary and Joseph, bring that Present yourself with joy to the Lord that there is a breakthrough. There's a, a, a year 41. Come on, somebody. There's a day 41. There's a week 41 that is better than what you walked in in the last 40 of your life. So here it is. It's after the, the angels. It's after the wise men. It's after the shepherds. It's after John the Baptist leaps in Elizabeth's belly when Mary walks in. It's all after this. Such joy surrounding Jesus. She brings him to the temple to dedicate him to God. And Simeon, this man of God, this mighty prophet, who's been waiting, the Bible says, for the Messiah to show up, he's there, led by the Spirit, grabs him and starts prophesying over his life. What joy that must have brought them. Yet in this joy, Mary's going to walk away with real pain. That she has to carry and navigate for 33 years. While she raises up pure joy, whose name is Jesus. How do we raise up joy when there's an issue of real pain in our life? When we are waiting for the next shoe to drop, how is it that we live in joy? Because that's where most of us live. This side of the veil. I think we can learn something from Mary and Joseph's response. The Bible says in verse 27, So Simeon, the, great pro, the, the man of God, came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the, uh, 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 the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled. They were overjoyed. They were excited. Can you imagine? I can imagine this. Man, you bring your child for baby dedication, and all of a sudden there's a prophetic word that that child's going to change the nation, change the world. Woo! How exciting that must have been. Yup, there's joy. Give it a second. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. And yes, a sword is going to pierce your soul as well. What? Here we go. Here he is. 
Wait, wait, wait. Can we go back to the, he's a light? Can't we go back to he's the salvation? Can we just go back a few moments? Certainly in this moment, Mary must have thought, I saw that going differently in my head. What do you mean a sword's coming for me because of him? My friends, this is how we find ourselves so often. Getting a blessing on one hand, while then being dissatisfied with it on the other, that it wasn't everything we thought it would be. We can't wait to get married, but by week six, we find ourselves disappointed because we thought marriage would be different. We get this blessing on one hand, and yet we live in dissatisfaction on the other. The blessing we thought it would be holds pain for us, and it's so easy to allow that pain, that dissatisfaction, to dominate our minds, dominate our thoughts. I mean, I don't know about you, I don't know how I would have handled this as a parent. Because as he hands Jesus back to me, my mind would have been going, wait a minute, this child's going to be a cause of a sword coming at me, breaking my heart, hurt and pain. I mean, how would I have parented that child? Would, would I have been tempted to overprotect him? To, to, to make sure that keep him safe at all costs? Or maybe the flip side of that, would I have distanced myself from my child? Because after all, he's the one that's going to cause me pain. And maybe in so doing, I can marginalize it. Is that what we do with our joy? Do we try to manage our joy? Manage the situation around it so that we can best make our best attempt to maximize our joy by managing the situation? Or do we embrace the child, Jesus, with everything that comes with him? Joy and pain. And call it God. And call it good. And still be able to rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice, rejoice in every situation. Can I embrace all he is? The joy and the pain, the sunshine and the rain and call it good. The truth is, my friends, that Mary was holding pure joy in her arms. Yet it wasn't, with a, yet it wasn't in absence of pain. But she still had to learn how to steward joy while she navigated through the pain. And this is where we find ourselves most often living on this side of the veil. How do we steward joy while navigating through our pain? Can anyone relate to me today? I know I'm supposed to have joy. I know God can bring joy. But man, I got so much pain. I think the problem is we struggle because as pastors a lot of times we'll tell you things like this. We'll say like, look, joy and happiness aren't the same thing. And they're not. And you can go, yeah, I know that. And they're not. We'll say things like this. You'd have more joy if you counted your blessings every day. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. Four people that went to Sunday school, that's good. <laughs> no, right? And those things are true. But here's the problem. They're, those things alone will never create joy in our lives. Why? Because we still have dissatisfaction. 
Why? Because we still allow dissatisfaction to come into our lives. And this is why we get so frustrated, because we know we should have joy, but we don't know how to get there. So where do we start? We have to start with how joy is and isn't formed. I think we struggle in our lives to find joy, if we're honest with ourselves, because our expectations are tainted. When our expectations are met, we're satisfied to a point. But then when they're not met, we're constantly dissatisfied with our job, with our marriage, with our life, with our kids, with our coworkers, with our spouse, with church, with God. We constantly find ourselves in this, living in this tension between satisfaction and dissatisfaction. How do I handle satisfaction on one hand and dissatisfaction in the same place and find joy? Have you ever noticed how the world and the enemy constantly create and build our expectations? The world and the enemy constantly creates our expectations. Expectations of what marriage should be. What a good sex life is. How much money you should have to consider yourself comfortable. What kind of job you need in order to be considered successful. How much your body needs to change in order for you to be attractive. And it's reinforced in everything and in every way. Commercials, articles, pop-ups. You didn't even ask for it, it just pops up. Instagram. Constantly showing you picture after picture of what you don't have and who you're not. The enemy is constantly reinforcing and building expectations that are unreal and unscriptural in our lives. And have you ever wondered why, in the midst of those things, you feel dissatisfied constantly? Have you ever wondered why you constantly are set up for disappointment? Those things set us up for disappointment all the time. Why? Because the enemy's smart. Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 11, that the enemy has schemes. He has ways to manipulate us to get our minds off of who God created us to be. That's why we need the whole armor of God. It's not a suggestion. He understands that there are schemes that the enemy is trying to use on a constant basis to shape a different mindset in you than what the Word of God has created for you. He says, man, we got to be aware that the enemy has schemes in our life. See, he can't steal our salvation, so he manipulates our level of satisfaction in it. How satisfied am I with my salvation? I mean, yeah, I know I'm going to heaven, but I thought living a Christian marriage would be like this. I really thought a good church would be like that. And the enemy constantly creates and shifts. We find ourselves disappointed and disappointed and disappointed. Why? Because as soon as you reach that one Instagram picture that you thought would satisfy you, he shows you 10 more pictures of what you don't have. He understands something that we as Christians often don't see in ourselves. We understand it theologically, but don't embrace it and understand how it affects us intellectually, culturally, and emotionally. Pro Proverbs 27.20 says this, Just as hell and death are, oh, are never satisfied, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Inside of you and I, in fallen humanity, 
There is something inside of us. We are living in a, con- this is what this says. We are living in a constant state of dissatisfaction. Because our eyes are constantly looking at things and saying, I don't have that, I don't have that, I don't have that. And it makes our soul believe if I could acquire that, come on, I'd be satisfied. And if I'd be satisfied, then I'd have joy. So we're chasing the thing, believing the lie that if I get the thing, then I'll have joy. I'm one thing away. Come on, somebody. I'm one thing away from joy. I'm one thing. How many of us really believe? And then we get the thing, and we go, I'm just one more thing away from joy. And we're feeling guilty because in church we know we should have joy. So then we come to church, and I'll say, how you doing? Oh, hallelujah. I got joy. No, you don't. You're dissatisfied as always. And that's all right. We just have to recognize where we are. You can't battle an enemy you haven't recognized. David, in Psalm 51, verse 12, in one of his most famous psalms, he's writing this, and he says, God, please restore the joy of my salvation. Why? Because David, even though he had everything that you would think would make you happy and satisfied, was living in a place and he wasn't satisfied. And he said, if I could have this one more thing, if I could just have that naked woman across the way, if I could have that beauty called Bathsheba, I'd then be satisfied. And he wasn't satisfied. It led him to rebellion and disaster. See, my friends, we've got to get this and we'll never truly find joy. The lie that we believe is that we, if we could just accumulate more satisfaction, that it will override and outweigh the dissatisfaction we have in our life. If we could just get more satisfaction than dissatisfaction, it would be like the scales that we're trying to do good works and bad works. If I'm just a better person than a bad person, I'm all right with God. That doesn't work either. There's a little more satisfaction than dissatisfaction. I'll be all right. It's a lie. It breaks us. We have to understand our fallen nature. Because of our fallen nature, our dissatisfaction will always be more highlighted to us than the splendor that God has surrounding us. Because of our fallen nature, our dissatisfaction will always be more highlighted than the splendor of God that we have around us. It's from the very beginning. Genesis 3. The enemy shows up in Eve's life. And, he's here, and here she is. She's placed in the garden that God calls good. She's placed in this amazing provision. More than she could have ever dreamed or hoped for. God had blessed her, empowered her. He walked with her with his presence. Everything she could have ever wanted was there in the garden. And the, angel, I mean, the devil rolls up and simply says this. He highlights what she doesn't have. She highlight, he highlights an area that she should be disappointed in. Dissatisfied in. He points out something that maybe if she had, she'd be more satisfied than where she was. These moments create opportunities for the enemy to shape and create expectation inside of us. And in our desperate desire to seem satisfied, we chase after those things. And at the end, like David, it leaves us empty. It leads us away from the truth. We're chasing a thing rather than a person. We're chasing something rather than someone. We forget, we lose sight of the fact that the Bible tells me 
in Nehemiah 8.10 that the joy of the Lord is my strength. Why does the enemy want to steal your joy? Because he's happy for you to be a weak man or woman of God. He's happy for you to live in a weakened state, afraid, dissatisfied with the salvation that you have and therefore the Savior who bought it for you. And he simply can weaken us by causing us to be dissatisfied. Because if pain exists, then joy can't exist. That's where the lie sits. If pain exists, then joy can't exist. The lie. Because Psalm 30 verse 5 tells me this. Though weeping may last for the night. Though weeping may last. He doesn't say. God does not say there won't be any weeping. Do you know where there's no weeping when we get to glory? He said, no, no, on this side of the veil, you're going to have some moments where you're going to cry. You're going to weep. You're going to feel lost. You're going to feel pain. You're going to feel hurt. You're going to feel lonely. You're going to feel abandoned. You're going to feel neglected. You're going to feel out, uh, like a foreigner. You're going to feel on the outside. You're going to feel like you're looking in and hoping. And he says, look, you're going to cry, but for a night, because my joy comes in the morning. Do you know why my joy comes in the morning? Because my mercy is new every morning. Because there's a revelation of who I am every day that if you seek out... I'll close the gap, and you'll be satisfied not in the thing, but in the one who is him. See, this is exactly what happened in the garden when the enemy created an unrealistic expectation in Eve that she was supposed to be like God. She was never supposed to be like God. She was created to simply be in his presence. And by simply being in his presence... Everything that she thought would be dissatisfying to her, she would realize would be satisfied in him. Psalm 1611, in my presence, in my presence, there's fullness of joy. In my presence, in my presence, in my presence, there's fullness of joy. What an amazing God that we have. That in the midst of everything we go through, oh, and everything we put him through, he still creates a place for us to experience heaven before we get to heaven. Because heaven is full joy. He said, man, I know you're going to go through some night times of crying, but I want to tell you there is a morning place. There is a sunrise place. There is a joyful place. And it is not found in the acquisition of something. It is found in the presence of someone. When we are dissatisfied, are we running to him or running to the thing? The enemy only, we, the enemy can constantly weaken us by pointing us to the thing and taking our eyes off the one. Danielle and I always, we go to Disney World probably once a year at least. It's a place where we can kind of get away from things. And a lot of times we go on my birthday. And uh, I struggle on my birthday, i got to be honest. I just had a birthday last week, and I struggle. Uh, because on my birthday, I don't think about everything God's given me. I think of everything I'm not yet. Everything I don't have yet. Everything I thought I should be, and I'm not. And I could be at Disney World, be miserable as ever. We look around, and we see people, moms and dads, on their phones, They're standing in the happiest place on earth. 
They have worked for months, their whole year, to try to take their family there. They've been telling their kids for months, we're going to Disney, it's going to be the best. And they get there, and where are they? They're punching. I've got to send this last email. I've got to make sure this, 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 this deal goes through. I've got to make sure that my boss is happy with me. i got to, i got to, i got to. They're in the presence of happiness, and yet they're not experiencing it. You and I can be in the presence of the, our God all the time and still not be experiencing that which he brings. Why? Because we are distracted by our dissatisfaction in what we don't have. Because the expectation of what we should have to make us happy was not set by the word. It was set by the enemy and our world. Look at what Simeon does here. Simeon is doing something for Mary to bless her. Simeon is helping her by allowing her expectations to be built on the truth. Not on what she wants to hear, but on what God has for her to hear. So often in church we get upset because we're not preaching what we want to hear, but it's the things that God needs us to hear. Because our expectation, unlike Eve, needs to be set on the word. Mary allowed the word to shape her expectation and therefore allowed God to navigate her through the path of joy. Even Israel, when Jesus came, was disappointed and dissatisfied because they had unrealistic expectations of what the Messiah would do. It wasn't shaped on the word. It wasn't shaped on the prophetic message. It was shaped on political ideas. It was shaped on cultural constructs of what they hoped would bring them freedom and true satisfaction. But it wasn't based on the word. And their, dis their dissatisfaction with Jesus came from the wrong expectations of God. How often in modern church have we allowed our dissatisfaction of life to come from our wrong expectations from God? These are the things we must realize are inside of us because we're broken, because we're fallen. And that nature's still there. That's why it has to be lived in constant surrender to something outside of ourselves. We can't be the final judge, even of what satisfies our life. Why? Because my heart is deceitful above all things. Who can even understand it? My heart will tell me if I had that one more thing. But my heart's deceitful. How do I determine what will actually bring me joy by what the Word says will bring me joy? And allow that to navigate my expectations of him. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they will be satisfied. That word means full. To have no room, no emptiness inside. He said, man, if you're hungering and thirsting, not for something, but for someone. When you hunger and thirst for who I am. When you hunger and thirst for everything that I am in your life. The joy and the pain. The sunshine I bring and the rain. The salvation to Israel and the sword to your heart. When you hunger and thirst for everything I've got for you. Then you will find true joy. You'll be satisfied. And it won't come because the acquisition of something. It will come from the presence of someone. That's why Jesus says in John 15, 11, these words I've spoken to you so that my joy may be complete and your joy may be full. Jesus, joy is the legacy of Jesus. It's what he brought into the world. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. We sing the song and miss the reality. 
The key, I think, the full joy is found in what Mary is doing here. Following the word and bringing joy to the Father. She presented joy to the Father. Joy, Jesus. She brought him to him. That's where true joy is found. How do I bring joy? How do I bring him to him? Him to him. Him to him. I think the real issue in modern Christianity that we find that we struggle with so much is that believers come with this mentality. Believers want God to make them happy and then they will have joy. If God makes me happy, then I'll have joy. And the enemy, man, he just reinforces that. That's good. He is standing in the aisle next to you. That's good, preacher. Preach. That's good. That's good stuff. Yes. If you be happy, then you'll have joy. But a disciple of Jesus Christ, a disciple, asks, how can I make God happy? Then they will have joy. How can I fill his life with joy? Then I know I will have happiness. And that's where the enemy attacks. But because he can't have a strong man or woman of God. He can't have a strong church. He, he can't have a strong person in that family, a strong dad, a strong mom. He can't have a strong young person in that school. He can't have a strong worker in that marketplace who would bring the gospel, who will bring light into the darkness. So all he has to do is tell you what you don't have and what you could have. And if you only had the raise, if you only had the life, if you only had the house, if you only had the car, if you only had the next thing, you'll be happy. And he gets us off the mark. So the world is filled with weak Christians who are simply waiting for God to make them happy. And in it, they'll always be dissatisfied. Do you see the trap? Because God's not here. He's not sitting back. How can I make you the most happy in life? No, no, no. With me, when I come into your life, there's joy and pain. There's success and surrender. All of the same breath. How do I present him to him? How do I make his joy complete? Mary had to release the small joy she held onto in her hands in order for joy to do what it was meant to do. She had to trust that what she presented to the Father, that the Father would steward for his own glory. She presented him with joy. Even if in so doing, even if releasing him would go against everything in her mom heart. Come on, moms. You know your son's going to die. You know they're going to beat him and whip him. You know they're going to shred his back, push thorns into his head, spit on him, mock him, destroy his reputation. What's your mom heart doing? And say, I can't do that. I have to protect him. I have to protect him. I have to protect it so the joy isn't threatened. I have to protect it so the joy doesn't feel pain. I have to protect it so that those two things don't habitate, cohabitate together. But that's where joy is found, in the cohabitation of these moments. 
Like Sleeping Beauty, come on, her parents, she's like, oh, we're going to lock you in a tower for 16 years so you don't prick your finger. It's better for you. But joy's not found, my friends, in the absence of issues, but in the presence of them, cohabitating together. Joy and pain. The sunshine and the rain. He's the Lord of them all. Jesus, Danielle was just telling me this, talking to me about this the other day. Jesus was able to have joy even while he cohabitated with Judas and Peter. He was still able to have joy while being in the presence of Judas and Peter. And by the way, all the other knuckleheads who were sinners too. How was he able to have joy while being in their presence? Because bringing glory to the Father outweighed their presence. Let me say it again. His desire to bring glory to the Father outweighed their presence. Here's what we do. God, if that thing was just absent from my life, if I could just get rid of the one that would backstab me, if I could just get rid of the thing that would disappoint me, if I could just get rid of the thing that would let me down, God, then I'd have joy. It's a lie. Our desire to... Give glory to the Father has to outweigh the presence of the ones that in the natural would rob it from us. It's not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. What brought the Father joy? Giving the world his son. For God so loved the world, he gave Jesus. What gave him joy was giving Jesus to the world. Now, for you and I, we're like, that's good news. That's awesome. Thank you, God. But think about that from a parent's perspective. What gave the father joy was to send his son to be beaten, go through hell, and die for people who could care less. Joy and pain. Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, don't fear, children. It is my Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's his joy. But that joy cohabitated with pain. He even knew that there would be people who wouldn't accept the gift he gave, and he still gave it with joy. I love the verse in Hebrews 12. We're almost done. Hebrews 12, the Bible says that Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, he endured the cross and suffered its shame for the joy set before him. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and suffered the shame. And for you and I, I think, I'll just speak for myself, for years I was so selfish to believe for the joy set before him was me. Me. I was the joy, I was part of the joy. But then when I look at who Jesus was and everything he did, everything he did was intended to give glory to the Father. He went to the cross to give glory to the Father. He endured the pain to give glory to the Father. He went through the shame to give glory to the Father. He was beaten to give glory to the Father. Yes, the glory to the Father included you and I. It's not exclusion of us, but it's not really about us. Everything he did was to give him back to him. And understand that's where pure joy can come from. When I give him back to him. 
Maybe when it comes to joy, we're simply asking the wrong question. Maybe our joy won't be found in what God brings to us, but what we bring to him. If the Father's joy was found in giving us the Son, maybe his joy will be found in ours too. Our joy will be found in how we give the Son back to him. Maybe it won't be that next boat, the next church, the next sermon, the next worship album that somebody releases, the next raise, the next relationship, the next lover that actually satisfies you. Maybe we're asking the wrong question. Maybe it's really our joy won't be found in what God gives us. Maybe our real joy will be found. And when we give him back to him. How are we giving him back to him? How are we giving him back to his world? To his bride? To his creation? How? Mary brought joy and presented it to God. And let God determine how joy would be lived out in her life. Joy and pain. This week, I read an article that Danielle showed me about. Maybe some of you saw this. A sketching that was bought at an estate sale for $30. Anybody see this story? It's crazy. Somebody bought an etching, charcoal etching, for $30 at an estate sale. That was just discovered to be worth $50 million. Dude, everybody's back on Facebook Marketplace right now, right? You're yard sailing on the way home. It's a sketching done by a famous Renaissance artist who... They thought it was lost for all time. It was in somebody's house in Massachusetts in the attic. And I got thinking about that for a moment. There's this image that's worth millions. It was in the possession of somebody. It was in, even in their house, but they didn't recognize the value of the image. It was there. It could have changed their life. It could have changed the legacy they left behind. It could have changed their family. It could have changed their kids. It could have changed their community. Everything they needed was in that image. But they were so dissatisfied with the image, they put it up for sale at a yard sale. Let it go for 30 bucks. What are we doing with his image? Our joy is tied together with that image. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, man, my Father is transforming us into the image of Jesus from glory to glory 
to glory to glory. Maybe the greatest joy we can have is understanding the value of the image he's creating inside of us by going through the joy and the pain, the sunshine and the rain. When every day we present ourselves to him and say, God, whatever you've got, I'm all in. Daddy, whatever you have for me, whether it be dancing or whether it be crying, whether it be rejoicing or whether it be tears, Father, I'm all in because all I want to do is steward your image. And I know that there's going to be pain and disappointment in the natural. But when I know that you're satisfied by what I bring you, my joy is complete. When I know you are satisfied by what I bring you, my joy is complete. May that be our prayer this week. God, when I know you're satisfied by what I bring you, may my joy be complete in you. We're going to pray. Because the legacy of Jesus, his birth, his death, and his resurrection was for us to experience joy on this side of the veil. But joy will never be found in the acquisition of something. It will only be found in the surrender to someone. And maybe, just maybe right now, the first step to joy for you is realizing that there is no real scale out there. That if I could just accumulate some good works that outweigh my bad works, that God will be happy with me. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And sin separates us from what he created us to be, intimate with him. But there is one way, one moment, one thing that can change that and start you on your path with him to full joy. And it's doing what Mary did, surrendering her life to him. Surrendering her life to him. My friends, I'm not asking you if you've been to Sunday school or know the right worship songs or even have known some Christmas stories. I'm asking you, have you accepted the one who came on that first Christmas morning as Lord and Savior of your life? That is where joy begins. And it's so easy to do. It's simply found. The Bible says, if I confess Jesus with my mouth as Lord and Savior, believe in my heart he died for me and rose again, today, today I will be saved. Today. So I'm going to ask you, if that's you, whether you've never prayed that prayer before, but today you're sitting here saying, man, I need this encounter with God in my heart. I want to accept everything that he is. I want to be forgiven and set free so that I can know him in the fullness thereof. All we have to do is begin this journey by asking him to be Lord and Savior of our life. And we're going to do that in just a second. But maybe you've prayed that before. But to be honest, right now you find yourself far from God. Far from his fullness of joy. Today is the day we leave where we are and we come home again. We just come home again. And we throw ourselves on the mercy 
of the most merciful God. So whether this is your first time praying this or whether you're ready to come home again, we're all going to pray it, but you pray from the bottom of your heart and let God touch you where you are. Just pray with me. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, here I am today. I've come to give you my life. All that I am. All that I have. All that I ever will be. I willingly give to you today. I'm asking you, Jesus, to be both the Lord and the Savior of my life. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of everything I've done wrong. Fill me with your spirit. Make me your child. May I find my joy complete in you. May I live my life to bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Can we give God some glory for people who made that decision today? Lord, thank you for lives that are changed. You know, I always love, I always love when we do this because the Bible says that right now, uh, angels in heaven are filled with joy, celebrating in joy in heaven because of the decision you made. Whether it be the first time or the hundredth time, you gave heaven a reason to party today. We love to celebrate with you as well. Pastor Rick, right over here. Pastor Rick, can you raise your hand? Pastor Rick and I called each other this morning, made sure we were wearing the same colors today. Pastor Rick, look, if you made that decision, come talk to him for a moment. He has a, an incredible book uh, he'd love to give you. If you are uh, an adult, it will help you understand the decision you made and how to take the next steps. But he also has one for Gen Zers. If you are in your teens, if you're a Gen Zer, help you understand that this thing we're talking about is not religion. It's a relationship with a living God. The world will lie to you, but my God never will. We're going to worship in one more moment. I, I want to pray over you for something because I feel the spirit stirring in my heart. But before I do, I just want to encourage you that on your way out, to continue to worship the Lord with giving. You know, this kind of time of year, it's so easy. We have so many things on our list, so many people to provide for. And it's sometimes easy to forget how He provided for us. For God so loved you, He gave. I love what Pastor Ron said already this morning. He situated you to be givers in every way. Even with your breath. From the way that you and I were created, He situated us to give back unto our God. Give and it shall be given. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. We don't just give out of obedience. We give because it brings glory to Him. There are a couple ways that you can give. You can always give by utilizing these envelopes that are there on the tables around you. You can fill them out. Just drop them in those gold kiosks on the way out. Give with your phones, online, all those sorts of things. But let's finish the year strong. Let's have a great moment. When you put it in, whether it's on your phone like I do, I give up my phone, whether you drop it in the kiosk, can I encourage you to do it with worship? Do it with faith. 
Let's just say, God, I know one of the ways that I bring you to you is I bring your offering to you and bless you with it. Bless his holy name with everything that we do. I'm going to ask you to stand with us. We're going to, pray, uh, we're going to, we're going to worship in a minute, but I want to pray. Because I believe that there is some chains of dissatisfaction that need to get. There are chains in my spirit right now. I'm seeing chains. Literally chaining people's hearts down. This time of year, it always reminds me of Scrooge's Christmas Carol where Marley shows up and there's chains and chains and chains weighted down by his bad deeds, his selfishness. And I see those chains wrapped around people's joy, wrapped around people's minds, wrapped around people's souls today. Chains brought by dissatisfaction, by the lie of the enemy, by the schemes of the world. But Paul tells us that we have the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, that is an offensive weapon. That is sharper than any double-edged sword that cuts even between soul and spirit. That can sever every chain and set people free. In the name of Jesus, I just pray right now for every soul, every spirit, every mind, every heart that is weighed down by dissatisfaction. That has been broken and disillusioned by disappointment. That is chained into into the cell of isolation and sadness, Lord God, and depression and and disillusionment. In the name of Jesus, we shatter those... We shatter those chains. We break open those cells, Lord God. Father, in Jesus' name, he is the breaker of chains. He is the liberator of all. You said, Lord God, that you came to set us free, that we no longer be in bondage to sin any longer. Sin is dissatisfaction, and dissatisfaction will always lead us to sin, so set us free today. By your stripes, we're set free. By your pain, we receive the joy today. Of liberation. Freedom. For freedom. For freedom I've been set free. My friends, if if you've been feeling that way, you take authority over your own life. You are a priest of the Lord God Almighty. You are a prophet. You, you, You bear the mantle of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You wear his seal. So don't just let your pastoral staff, don't just let the worship team go to battle for your salvation, for your security, for your freedom. You rise up and you start to pray. You start to speak over it yourself. You take authority and say, depression, you've got no right. Disillusionment, you've got no power. Dissatisfaction, you are a lie and a creation from the devil. In the name of Jesus, I stand free. In the the presence of God as I am today, there is fullness of joy. So ain't nothing going to keep me from it. So as we begin to worship, you lift up your hands, lift up your hearts. Come to the Lord with worship. Come to the Lord. Come stand in his presence and receive the fullness of joy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Thank you. 
May the glory of our God, the presence of his spirit, the fullness of his grace rest upon you this week. May you walk in the knowledge, in the presence of our King. May his spirit always go before you. May his peace guide you. May his hope never leave you. And may you know his joy as you bring joy to him. Daddy, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise. Bless your children as they go from this place to be a blessing to the world you created. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen amen. God bless you, church. We'll see you at Christmas Eve Eve, 7 o'clock. Come early. It's going to be a lot of fun. God bless you.